Our scripture reading this evening is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is what we have going on uh, or ahead of us. Uh, we have a couple weeks of some psalms we're going to look at, and then we're going to hear from uh, two campus ministers, one from uh, the campus of UCLA and one the other from USC. We figured we'd put the rivals there uh, back to back. Uh, in August, we're going to go through a series uh, called Grace, and it's all about uh, race in L.A., and we're calling it a reckoning and a reconciliation. And it's from a lot of the things we've learned in this past year. Uh, then this fall, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a series on 1 Corinthians. And we're gonna go through the whole book of uh, 1 Corinthians as we do that with our NGs. Tonight, uh, we're looking at Psalm 1. Psalm 1, and it's called a true meditation. And I want, I want to tell you something I, I've learned in this quarantine, and I, I actually think it's one of the best uh, personal discoveries that I've, I've found. Uh, most of the quarantine, uh, I, I felt uh, fruitless. Um, some people might use another word, um, useless. Uh, I saw very little results from a lot of the work that I'd been doing. And it wasn't related, I, I think you might hear that and say, oh yeah, that must have been terrible for you, pastor, not to um, be around your congregation and not do the Sunday stuff. So I, I'm not really talking about that. I, I mean, that's maybe part of it, a little slice of it. But uh, I, I think that there were a lot of things that I had been putting effort into it. Uh, projects and relationships, even outside of uh, a church community, and they died. They just failed. And uh, I, I, they didn't work out. They didn't work out. But I discovered something this past year that I think is worth all the stock options. And I'm going to share it with you tonight because I think it's personally for me, it's the key. I'm, I'm 47 years old. I think it's the key to my next decade and probably beyond. I think maybe every minister should probably know this when they're younger, uh, but it took me a long time. So you get the benefit from something I discovered 
in a really uh, gray, gray time. And here it is. Da, 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 da. It's meditation, which really doesn't sound that valuable at first blush. Uh, it, but this is what Psalm 1 is going to assert to you. Psalm 1 is going to promise you and guarantee you this. Um, there's something that, and, and I'm just going to kind of cover three of the promises that's going to give you, and the, it's going to be really brief, is it's going to promise you that you're going to become a person of substance. Through meditation, you will become a person of substance. Um, you won't be hollow inside. You won't be dead inside. Uh, now, I think, I think most of us, all of us, I've been a pastor a long time, I, I know this, is uh, uh, most of us uh, are pretty superficial in, in this way, is that um, our ideals or our postures or our poses that we put on for other people it doesn't match, it's what we have internally doesn't match to our pose, our posturing. And Psalm 1 says, hey, if you meditate, you will become a person that matches more of what you want to be for reals. Uh, let me give you some of my poses. I want you to think I'm more creative than I actually am. I want you to think I'm more well-read than I actually am. I even want you to think I'm more authentic than I actually am. I want you to think that I'm more kind and compassionate than I actually am. And Psalm 1 says, Tim, there's a pathway where you could become a person of substance beyond your poses. So Psalm 1 promises substance, but it promises something else. It, it promises that through meditation, um, you'll have this stability where you don't freak out. Uh, you'll have stability. So this is the picture. It's a tree by a stream. And we know this is that normally most trees probably don't have access to a stream, but they're just out there in the wild, and they rely on rain. And if there's no rain, then it's tough for the tree. And so this picture that the psalmist gives is that if you're a tree by water, it doesn't matter if rain comes or goes. It doesn't matter if troubles come or troubles go. Like, but if you're near this, it won't matter. It won't matter. You'll, you'll have stability. And things can be crazy out there, and you're going to have this stability. Uh, when I was coming to Jesus, this was at the end of college, uh, I, I went through Elizabeth Elliot kick, and uh, uh, she's a great woman, she's a tough woman, rigid woman, but she says this, she says, you know, joy is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. That's what the psalmist is talking about. Oh, you are near, you're near the life, the life is near you, and that's going to give you a stability that you could have not have imagined. So it gives substance, it gives stability. And then the psalmist guarantees this through meditation. Um, when you are going through a gray time and nothing is working out, there is no fruit. It promises this, is that you will continue to grow. You won't have fruit, but you'll continue to change and transform and develop. 
So the psalmist says that. You'll get substance and you'll get stability and you'll get growth all, all through meditation. Um, all through meditating. Um, in, in Philippians 2, the apostle Paul says this. He says this. He says, I want you to work out the salvation that you've been given with awe and wonder. What I want you to do is I want you through meditation, through working it out. That's what meditation is. I want you to work it out. I want you to plug it in. I want you to take God's word and put it in the places, in the equations of all of life. Like, notice what Paul says. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to work for your salvation. No, he doesn't say that. That's nonsense. He says, I want you to work out what you already have. And I want you to plug it into, so like you know your identity and you plug it into your relationships and say, how does it work there? And you put it into your work and your vocation. And you say, how, how does this salvation that I have, how is it plugged in? And how has it worked through all of life, needed through all of life? So how do you do that? Um, here's the big assertion from Psalm 1. It says this, um, you'll be blessed when you meditate on the law of the Lord. So first off, let's let, like, what's that meditation all about? What is it? Now, Psalm 1, <laughs> this is going to sound very obvious, but Psalm 1 comes before all the other <laughs> 149 Psalms, right? It's the first one. And the Psalms are this prayer book for the follower of Yahweh and throughout Christianity for centuries, it's this prayer book. It's these lyrics and, and poetry and songs that are prayers. It prays the heart of you to the heart of God. And so the first Psalm though, isn't a prayer. It's put there on purpose. It's not a prayer. It teaches you how to, the Psalms teach you how to pray, but Psalm one's not a prayer and explains something. It says, Meditation is actually the preface and the beginning before you get to deep, deep prayer. Like this is what you have to do first before you get to the meaningful, meaty prayers that will grow deeply. And so uh, there are generally two types of prayers. I I'm gonna be very broad here, but um, the, there are two types of prayers. The first is like um, initiating or calling prayer. Like you're the one calling out to God. That's one type of prayer. Second type of prayer, it is an answering prayer. Like he started first and then you're answering to that. So it's like a conversation you would have with a friend, right? Uh, you see a friend and what you're gonna do is you're gonna set the tone, you're gonna set the depth and you're gonna set, set the subject and uh, the person who begins sets all that. So you, you'd say, hey, did you see when Patrick Beverly pushed Chris Paul in the back after the Clipper game? Did you see that? You're gonna start the subject when you see your friend. Hey, did you, isn't it crazy that in the NL West, National League West, those three teams, uh, Dodgers, Padres, and that one team from the Bay Area, they're, they're, they're some of the best teams in baseball. Isn't it wild that they're concentrated there in the National? Okay, that's, that's initiating, calling um, prayer. Um, a calling prayer would look like this. Hey God, I need you. Hey, um, I'm in a jam here. I'm in, a tr I'm in trouble. Um, God, I wish you would work this out for me because I'm really frustrated. Hey, God, could you get me that job? Could you get me that house? Could you get me that girl? Could you get me that guy? Hey, I really feel bad. I need some forgiveness. Are you even there, God? Are, do, you, do you even, ex see, that's, that is calling prayer. But the psalmist says that 
that is not the stuff of transformation and depth. It's valid prayer. It's just not the thing that's going to change you and grow you. So, so um, he says this. The best type of prayer is going to be answering prayer. We're going to let God set the tone. We're going to let him strike the emotional cord. We're going to let him, what, select the subject. We're going to let him shape it, drive it, direct it. We're going to let him do that. And then Psalm 1 is saying this, meditation is what happens before you respond, before you answer back. And he said, the psalmist thinks that's deep growth. That's where the development comes. That's where the transformation happens. Having God start it. Now, this is deep gold, and this is what I think the last year has taught me. And I just, I just want to like pass it on. So the quarantine has taught me this. Tim, stop your mouth. Be quiet, Tim. Stop, stop your incessant busyness on your road to nowhere. Stop it. Sit, bring in God's words, God's thoughts. Bring it in. It's not just a list. Meditate on what he says before you open your mouth, Tim. So this is, we're gonna, we're gonna progress here because this can get confusing. This is not knowing the truth. We are in a group of Christians who love to know the truth. This is not socking away knowledge um, for trivia game night. This is, not, this is not accruing more of God's word so your brain doesn't go smooth. This is with awe and wonder. Like take what he says and look at it and mull it out and think it over and turn it over and plug it in. How does that touch on me? How, does it, how, how, would that, how would that touch on my relationships and my siblings and my, the, how I do something, my methods? How would it affect my work and my circumstances? Like how? Now, when you do this, before you even talk to God, you know what it does is it, make God, it makes God's word a burning bush where he speaks and then your heart responds to that. Um, so how do you do it? Here's some helps. Um, this is the picture, um, feeding, not studying. Um, feeding, not learning. Feeding, not cramming for a test. Now, most Bible study, now, Bible study is really good. I'm, I want to encourage Bible study. Do all the Bible study. But most Bible study, so whether it's BSF or if it's... Uh, personal Bible study for small group Bible study. What did it, the goal of most Bible study is find the true propositions, um, find a thing to be learned, find the principle, find the intellectual thing to be known, memorized, locked away, uh, wrap it up, pray, and then go home. So I want to tell you is that meditating is not Bible study. It overlaps but it's never a substitute for deep, deep growth. 
So what do we meditate on? Um, verse three, the law of the Lord. Now, why doesn't he say word of God, right? Like all of scripture. So you, you probably think this, if you come to this, you're like, oh, we have to meditate on the 10 commandments, all the rule parts, all the command parts. Um, but Jesus says this in the Psalms, or actually in the New Testament. He says this, he says, uh, to, to a group of people, he says, have you not read in your law? And then what, he does, what does he do? He quotes the Psalms. So Jesus doesn't even think law equals all the commandment parts. What, this is what he means. The law of the Lord is something that stands above all other thoughts, and it's authoritative. Right? It's the highest word, the last word. That's, that's what I want you to think of when you say, oh, the law of the Lord, the last authoritative word of God. Um, now, why is that important? Let's say you think this. I run into a lot of people. Um, I, I would say, say semi-Christians in some fashion, and they think this. I like some of God's word, but I'm going to be honest with you, Tim. Like, it really seems antiquated and primitive, and a lot of it seems pretty savage, and um, it's definitely not woke, and it just doesn't seem modern, and it's a little outmoded, a little outdated, and, and there's parts of it that just can't be true, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just dismiss it. I don't like it, so I'm going to get rid of it, and then, but I'll let the other parts that I like, I'm just going to let it stand, be my friend, talk to me whenever I want, but the parts I don't like, I'm going to... Here's the problem, is that um, none of your friends, meaningful friendships are like that. Like, if your friend can't disagree with you, um, is that a friend? Can, can you be brought to a different place if, you, if, you can't, if your will can't be crossed? Or think about it this way. Here's another problem. Let's say, let's say you're feeling pretty low and you're feeling worthless and you're feeling unknown and you're feeling discarded. How will you believe God's word when it says you are loved by me? So when you're at your lowest, how will you believe that if you don't believe it all as authoritative? That's what we mean by the law of God. Meditate on all the law of God, even the parts, especially the parts that butt up against your will, butt up against your head. Um, now, meditate, Eastern, Eastern thoughts on meditation are, are generally, this is big picture stuff, but an Eastern thought of meditation is this. I want you to sit and think until you have nothing up there and you, and you reach that bliss of just empty head. Western thoughts on meditation are this. Okay, sit and think until all of your problems and your issues find some sort of clarity and solution. And biblical meditation is neither. It's neither. It's unlike those. So this is it. It's not like um, here's, here's God's power and meditation is this wire that goes to you, and it's like a transfer of power. Or it's not like this where um, it's like a, a pipe, and there, here's the living water, and 
the water flows from this pipe, you know, the pipe is meditation, and the water flows so that, okay, you had water here, but now you have water here because of this great pipe or this great wire. That's not the meditation that we see in Psalm 1. It says here you draw in something and you just possess it. No. You draw in something and then something else comes out and it's fruit. So it's not a one-to-one transfer of like you have this and now it's this. Like Bible study would be like this. I see that God is kind. I will transfer that knowledge over here. Yes, I concur. God seems to be kind. I will believe that God is kind. That's Bible study. Meditation is this. I am going to sit and I am going to soak in how you are limitless and you are infinite and you draw that in and you draw it in and you think on it and and, and you mull it over and you have awe and wonder and you say, this is how my God is. And then what is the fruit that comes out? From infinite limitlessness, the fruit that comes out is patience and suffering long. Right? If, if I suck in his beauty and I think on his beauty, you are more beautiful. If I, if, I, if I think on that and dwell on that, do you know what comes out? Not, yes, I believe that you are beautiful. No, you know what comes out is Creativity. Beauty upon beauty upon beauty. If I, if I dwell and suck in his love, you know, what, what's the fruit that comes out? Oh, it is lovingness to those who are unloved, unlovely. See, it's not just a, a transfer of one-to-one. Um, what is Meditation. When we draw him in and then there is outgoing fruit, it is the word become flesh. Do you see that? The word becomes something else. Uh, if that's true, oh, uh, what will that look like in my marriage and my coworker and my siblings and my boss? And my, will my emails be any different? Will my texts be different? Will my interactions, will my business be better? Will my money in, that I'm saving or uh, where it flows and where it goes, will that change anything? Are, are my plans for the future, will that change? Because I've, I've drawn this in and it, it matters. It, it's been worked out through everything else. All right, so if, if this is true, right? God's word, the law of God, and then me meditate. How should I feel? See, the intellectual becomes sensed. This is not devoid of intellectualism. It's intellectualism, what? Converted into the fruit of reality and experience. You don't just know it you experience it. This is, this, is, this is the sweetness of meditation. So how do we do this? How do we meditate? Um, because the word meditate can mean repeat, 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 repeat. It can mean plot, plot, think out, work out, imagine. Um, Martin Luther, the old reformer, 
uh, he gave us a, some great tools, great, gave me great tools for how to do this. Like, how do you meditate? Where do you start? Do I just sit there and think? And he, and he gives a practical, practical roadmap for it. So this is from Marty. Marty says this, okay, um, you start with uh, teaching. Um, there's, four, there's four questions he wants you to ask is what is the truth? What is the teaching here? That's Bible study, right? So it overlaps. You gotta, you gotta start somewhere. What is true? What is good? And then he said, after the T, then you go to A, is what, what do I need to praise God for from this thing? Like how do I, what do I need to adore him for, for this truth? And the third one is this, it says, um, um, okay, what do I need to confess? Because I've been convicted by this. What do I, what do I need to confess to him because of this truth. And then the last one is, okay, what is my supplication? What do I ask for now? So, so let's do that with Psalm 1, briefly. Let's meditate, right? So what's the truth? Um, meditation leads to true vitality. That's the truth. That's the, that's the teaching, okay? That's T. Let's go to A, okay? Um, what do we get from Psalm 1? Oh, that means, what is God like because of Psalm What means he's a delightful God? He's a speaking God. He's a great God. All of life is attached to this God. Like that's adoration. Whoa, that's the kind of God he is. What's, what's, what's confession in Psalm 1? Here's mine. Oh, meditating attaches me all to that, but I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> I'm negligent. I'm not diligent. I don't bake it into all of my life. Do you see the, conf it's like natural. You're like, oh, this is this beautiful idea. And oh yeah, I don't do it. <laughs> and then what's the supplication? What's the ask? Oh Lord, would you please make me a tree? Would you make me a person of substance? And would you make me stable? And would you have me grow even when all the circumstances are really bad? That's the how. Thank you, Marty. When do we do this? When do we do this? Day and night. Now, I think we can look at this and say it's frequency, like just every waking second. I don't know if you guys, um, did you ever see the old Saturday Night Live skit with uh, Phil Hartman and Sally Fields? And Sally Fields is this, is this housewife, and she's just bustling around the house and her kids and her husband, and she's like, Jesus, help me sponge off this counter, and Jesus, would you help my daughter walk over to that door, and Jesus would... So Jesus appears as Phil Hartman and says, hey, Tina, um, there's 10 billion people, and um, how about this? Tina, could you just save up some of your prayers? Like, maybe not... Everything, like, you know, because I'm giving you my full attention here. And uh, so, so the skit is mocking um, what they think Christianity is all about. Like we're always saying, Jesus, thank you for this. Thank you for this flower. Thank you for this cracker. Thank you. Uh, would you be with me as I walk across the living room? Like they're, they're, they're saying, oh, it must mean frequency and you don't get anything done if you're really a holy roller. No, this is what the psalmist means. The psalmist means this. Do it when you wake up. Do it before you go to bed. All right? H have it be repetitive. Do it over and over again. 
Make it an indispensable staple inside of your schedule. Make it a rigid presence of schedule, like your meals, like your coffee, like your me corner time on your phone, right? You know that 30-minute window you get and no one should talk to you because you are scrolling, right? Bake it in like you bake that. That's what the psalmist means. All right, now we come to the last part. It's a problem we have. It's more than a problem. It's a, it's a big difficulty, actually. Um, so the psalmist says this, um, verse three, um, you should delight in the law of the Lord. That's your meditation. But you got a problem and I've got a problem. Um, because Isaiah is into some meditation now. In Isaiah 6, he has a meditative experience. <laughs> and the truth is so real to him, so real to him, so sensed, so palpable. And you know what he says? It's over for me. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, you should, if the preacher says, even stuff I'm saying is crazy talk compared to the most high. You say, oh, what hope is there for me? <laughs> this is Isaiah. He's like, I'm, I'm done. Like, how, 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 what can happen if, if, if these things that we sense, we're like, I... I cannot connect with you because I am so other. Like, who does that? Um, who, who walks around and says, you know what? I love it when people come into my life and just tell me how to live. Do you guys like that? <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> who does that? Who loves it that God comes into their life and just says, this is what you gotta do? <laughs> well, well, Hebrews 10. Um, <laughs> Jesus comes into the world and he says, I've come to do your will. I delight to do your law. He quotes um, Psalm 40, verse eight in Hebrews. And he says, your law is beating, your law is within my heart. I delight to do what you tell me to do. I should have gone ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. That would have been a heartbeat next time. Who, who is so soaked in the perfect, lovely, delightful law, authoritative law of God that you quote it when your life is tanking and the screws get tightened deeper. Well, Jesus, now how does that help you? How does it help me? Um, do you remember John 4, um, Jesus is with a woman at the well and he says, um, he says to the woman uh, who's, had a, who's had a colorful past and a colorful present, <laughs> And she says, hey, and he says this, wouldn't it be great if you had water and you would never be thirsty? She's interested. And she says, sir, give me that. 
You know what Jesus says? Here it is. Like, how can he offer himself, though? See, on the cross, do you remember the two words that he said, among others? He said, I thirst. When he's quoting Psalm 22 on the cross, you know what he says? I'm poured out like water. He's experiencing what? Hollowness? Instability? The absence of life? The absence of presence of his father close by being in a stream? He's experiencing the absence of water. Why? He took the penalty that you should have walked into. Now, when you soak that in, the law becomes a delight because it doesn't hang over your head. So go and learn what this means, okay? Work it out in awe and wonder. And you'll become a tree and prayerfully I'll become a tree. Let's pray into that. Our Father and our God. We have been negligent and you are a delightful God. And so we'd ask you to make us into substantive trees that aren't hollow, that grow, that bear fruit in season. Please do this by your power, by your son's work, and by your spirit in and among us. In Jesus' name.